Wayne Brummett. He's Ali Alborigo, and this is the School Owner Talk Podcast. Again, Dwayne Brummett here with Allie Alvarigo, SchoolOwnerTalk.com. Allie, great to be with you, sir. And we have got a wonderful interview today. Yeah, great to be with you as well. And I am totally excited. I think that this is, uh, for all the listeners that we have, it's just going to be an amazing time because, um, so th- let me give you a little timeline on how this happened. I, I've been painting and I love to listen to audiobooks while painting and relaxing. And I, I'm looking through all the audiobooks and I find this one book and I'm like, wow, this sounds interesting. It's called uh, Winning in the Dojo and Your Life, right? And then it says uh, The Soul of the Genius Sensei. So I'm like, wow, that sounds good. Anyway, I purchased it and I'm listening to it and I just could not put it down. It was great. Like for me and for Dwayne, you and I, we, we have a hard time with certain books and other books we love to death and we talk about them all the time. So I said, oh, I got to get this guy on our show. He would be the greatest interview ever. And uh, so I reached out to a friend of mine who kn- knew him. And uh, it was able to connect us, Dana Abbott, who's such a good guy. And uh, boom, we talked for about 25 minutes on the phone. And uh, now we're here. So I wanted to introduce our our guest today, Chris Wilder. And uh, he's the author of many books, right? How many books have you written up until this point right now? Um, I I honestly don't know. It's in excess (laughs) of 20. Wow, that's amazing. So Dwayne wrote a few books. I wrote a few books. And it's not easy to write books that are relevant, right, these days. And it's sad because books are kind of almost like a dying art. That's why I love audio, too, because I could do it while I'm driving. I don't have to have the time to do it. Your ears are always open. And the audio book has really changed things. But but your book really was – it resonated. And I was trying to explain it to Dwayne um, It's not a business book per se, but it has so much – knowledge about how to run a school, how to build a team, how to motivate Mm -hmm. your staff, how to encourage people to teach or become future leaders. Um, So there's that business side of it, but it also had that philosophical side. And also, I think um, more of the psychological point of view, like you talked about different things on how to be a better teacher and how to reach their, your audience and how to, you know, how to connect with them. So uh, I thought it was just so, so good. So if, if we could jump right in, I, I'd like to ask you a few questions, but do you have anything that you'd uh, preference before that on, on the book itself? No, just you guys, I, I I'm, I'm flattered to be here. I just, you know, thank you. Um, it, it tickles me to no end. And, um, you know, I'm going to have to uh, record this audio and then send that intro to my mother. So, that's, you, know. <laughs> yeah. you know, you know what I find unique, though, like this is some martial artists are just so ego filled. And then there are so many martial artists that are just so humble to the point where you got like. I had breakfast every Wednesday. I have breakfast with all my friends and we're, we're talking about our tournament circuit that we run. And my mm-hmm. friends are all very careful about how they don't want to word something to offend all the other school owners. And, and they're afraid that they're going to be upset because our industry is so inflammatory with egos that people could fly off the handle. But people like yourself um, are, 
so humble and, and, you know, so likable. I, I appreciate that. I think that's really, truly the martial way it should be at least, I think. Um, but, uh, so anyway, let's jump right in. My, I have a question for you with, in regards to schools, you've been doing this for how long you've been running schools. And you told me a story that you had moved and reopened a new school and were able to build it up in a short amount of time. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about that. Well, um, how, how deep you want to go on that? Um, um, well, it's up, it's up to you really. I think it would be relevant. Like, cause I think that people are always in our, in our a culture within our podcast. It's about growing your school, building a culture, you know, all of that together. So this would be a pretty good start. Well, um, you know, I start, I, I started teaching my own dojo in 1982. Um, and, um, you know, subsequently, um, wherever I went, I started a school. Um, whether it was, uh, you know, wherever my work took me. So if it was uh, parks and recreation or just in the park, uh, it, didn't, it didn't make any difference. This was something that was going to happen. So it mm. did. Um, the, um, the movement from uh, mm. Seattle to Spokane is really one of uh, culture. Um, Seattle, uh, when I first moved to Seattle some 30 years ago, was an absolutely fantastic city. What a wonderful place to be as a young man. Um, just, you know, going out on somebody's boat into the Puget Sound or walking down. I mean, you know, I'm walking down the street and I run into Eddie Vedder from Pearl Jam. Hey, how you doing? Good. Good to see you. You know, just that kind of stuff. I mean, a lot of those uh, grunge guys, you know, I mean, I run into Mark Arm from Mud Honey or, you know, I mean, just it's just that sort of thing. And um, it was all very casual. Well, it has turned into just a, a dystopian nightmare. And I had to go to my school every day earlier in the day and uh, do my preparation. But my preparation soon uh, was uh, cleaning up the trash or the feces or cleaning up the urine and, you know, and it just went on and on and on like this. Um, tweakers coming into the dojo in the middle of class, you know, I mean, me turning to, to this one of my students who's a, a, a registered nurse. I'm like, Hazel, you got the class, you know, and me just you out now go, you know, I mean, just so anyway, I'd had enough of it. And, uh, and I relocated to Spokane, technically Cheney, which is just outside of Spokane, uh, home of Eastern Washington University. And I chose it specifically because it is a town of about 10,000 people, but expands to 25 to 30 when the students are in session. So you get a, you get a small town, hometown sense with um, a lot of uh, vibrancy of youth. And um, so that's that's where that went. And um, the community here is uses the old um, adage that they talk about in in improv comedy, which is yes. And, you know, mm -hmm. if I if I come on the stage and I go, oh, it's really cold out there and you go, no, it's sunny. Well, that that just kills the scene. But if you go, oh, yeah, it's the worst snow I've seen. Yes. And and, um, you know, they're just yes. And. It's a yes and community. And so um, you know, just restarted here and um, having a fantastic time with 
wonderful people doing karate. It's just, it's just the best. That's great. What how style? long ago was that you started that? When you, when you about moved? eighteen months ago, about eighteen okay. months ago. Okay. And what style of karate do you do? Uh, Goju-ru. Nice. That's great. My friend, I have a lot of Goju guys in New York, friends of mine that uh, they're, they're great martial artists, great system of martial arts. So, okay, so you're not holding it against me. Nice. <laughs> no, never do. <laughs> I don't think it matters what system, right? It's really, and speaking of that, I think that that was interesting in your book, how you talked about, you know, um, leadership team and developing a team and building the students and the culture of the school. So maybe you could go in a little, I know I just covered a wide variety of things, but maybe you could go a little bit into the actual culture. Would you consider yourself a very traditional school? Because I know there was one part in the book you had said, sometimes that's good, while other times it's not so great. The people hiding behind tradition, things of that nature and, and so on. So any, any insight on that? Well, I, um, in some ways I'm, I'm traditional in other ways I'm not. And the reason is you talk about hiding behind tradition. Um, you know, it's that old saying, well, why do we do it this way? Cause that's the way we've always done it. Right. Well, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with doing something that is, uh, traditional, mm. uh, but you should know why. Right. You know? Um, and, um, you know, you can look at things, um, you know, traditionally, um, you know, through different cultures and different times and various histories. I mean, you know, the Aztec tradition was to capture other warriors and rip their hearts out while they're alive. Well, you know, right. we, we frown on that today. <laughs> so, um, so, you know, my, my thing is, um, I'm, I'm not much for blind adherence. Um, and I'm not much for automatic rejection. I'm very much along the lines of what Aristotle said, which was that, you know, you can, and I paraphrase that, um, you know, a mature mind can entertain an idea without not necessarily accepting it. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, why now um, <clears throat> I'll tell you a brief story. My, um, my karate instructor for the last, and. Eh, 15, 18 years was, um, was a guy by the name of, um, Hiro Ito. And he grew up in post-war Japan. He recently passed last year in December. Um, and, uh, I asked him one time, I said, well, you know, we're, we're doing this, uh, beginning of class in this manner. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And I go, how did you do it? And he said, well, we would, the dojo would be open from like three till nine or something like that. And he said, you came when you were able to train and you went to the edge of the floor and you bowed and you yelled your name and then sensei would acknowledge you and put you on the floor. I said, oh, well, maybe we should do that. Maybe that's the way we should do it now. And um, he goes, no, no. Uh, my sensei did that because he had very bad eyesight and wanted to know who was in the dojo. Hmm. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, but I'm, I'm all prepared to go, okay, let's do it that way. You know, <laughs> and, that's and, funny. Um, yeah. And, and so, you know, there's reasons for those things and, um, you know, just, just figure out what it is, know why it, it's being done. And if you can't get the answer to why it's being done, or what, why it has been done, 
then um, it starts to become suspect. And yeah. then you should do a serious review. Yeah, I, I think that that's an interesting thing because the, within the, the, you know, the Western states, many people have a perception of what traditional martial arts is like in Japan, whether it be from books that were written or fictional stories, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. Um, sure. and, and I know this from, from, uh, from reality and being involved because I had an American ninjutsu teacher and, uh, and a lot of what we did was what our perception was of what the Japanese would be doing. Then when I went to Japan, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, boy, I had a rude, uh, an eye-awakening eye experience, you know, just from the way I sat to the way I interacted. And um, I always love the historical portion of how you treat your teacher, the etiquette and the protocol and so on. Um, but I was, I thought we were doing that in the United States because like, I was taught that by my American teachers, but it was so far off from a lot of what we did in Japan. It was, it was, you know, uh, eye-opening. So, uh, it, it, it's um, it, it, it it's uh, I, you know I I li- I love the uh, the Italian dish puttanesca. Uh huh. Um and um, but let me tell you something. When you're in England and you order puttanesca, yeah, it's not really what you thought it was going to be. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, you know a reasonable facsimile. Uh, so yeah, you know things change according to um, cultures, and uh, you know just a, a, a simple a simple thing. You know that what is the etiquette of the of, literally of the community? Right. You know, um, um, I was uh, I, I remember one time uh, we came home and uh, there was a note on on our kitchen table that said. Borrowed the skill saw, have it back tomorrow, Fred. Well, Fred Beeman came into our house, knew where the skill saw was, took right. it, left the note, and he's bringing it back tomorrow. And right. nobody thought anything of it, right. you know, because that's the culture of that community. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, um, yeah. it, 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 it is, it varies so much. And, you know, people that are trying to do the right thing. So when you talk about, you know, tradition, I have an intake form that I use for my school and nobody, and when I say nobody, I don't think anybody has not checked traditional environment in which to learn. Right. And they're not necessarily looking for a, uh, they have a perception obviously of what they think this is, but they're not necessarily looking for um, a Japanese methodology uh, they're not necessarily looking for, you know, a Filipino or, or, or you know, Eastern European. They're looking for that, that, that classic subdirectory of um, respect, responsibility to oneself, you know, to family, to community. You know, they're looking for those things. And you can find them in any culture. I mean, you know, as as off the rails as we see the Vikings these days, they did have a traditional environment with rules of behavior that satisfied their community. And, you know, that's what people are seeking. They're seeking that, um, whether they know it or not, they're seeking those classic attributes that span the world and span communities because they are um, they're almost Jungian in their design. 
they're almost of the of the um, you know communal world zeitgeist. Um, mm. You know, you treat other people well. If you don't treat other people well, you're not going to be part of our community. You may still live here, but you're not going to be part of it. Right. You know. So you know, and and we could you know do a deeper dive into that. But you know, the general point is is that um, people are seeking those classic elements, and they they do by nature. I, I think that it is inborn into people to seek that. There are the rarities, you know, the hermits and so forth, but yeah. Interesting. Dwayne, you had a question, right? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. I'm, I'm curious. Um, obviously you've written uh, a lot of books, this one particular, you know, winning in the dojo in life. Uh, what was the idea behind wanting to even write it in the first place? Um, and then, you know, from that, when you were actually, you know, putting pen to paper, if you will, or typing and what, however you did it. Um, did that idea when you first had it change and, or was it the same? Does that kind of make sense? That question? Yeah. Yeah. No, because that, that's what happens. You know, it, your experience has probably been similar. You know, you get partway through and you go, Oh, I just discovered something that I had not thought about. You know, this is going to, this needs addressing. And and that's one of the beautiful aspects of writing is, is that it makes you make cogent effort. You know, you have to, if you're going to produce something of quality, you, you got to work on it. You just can't go with a vanity project, you know, um, you know, my journey in the martial arts. You know what? I think that's fantastic. You've had a wonderful journey in the martial arts. I don't care. Right. I don't care. You don't care. You don't care. None of us care because it's a personal experience. And I, I'm not even interested in, you know, the personal journey of my sports heroes. Just not. But you talk about the, the writing of that and why writing it. Um, it comes down to the, um, the uh, Prado distribution. Uh, the 80-20, you know, the basic explanation is, is that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. Well, that is my prism. That's one of my prisms in which I see the world. I see the world on the Pareto distribution and I see the world on Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And those are my two big cuts about anything. And so um, when we set to work on that book, the question was, we don't want to talk to the 80%. We don't want to talk to the 80% that are busy trying to um, make a sale instead of build a relationship. We don't want to talk to those people because they don't want to hear what we have to say. This isn't for them. Right. And so what we did is we tried to get right on that threshold between those two elements so that what we could do is we could have somebody who was ascending towards the 20% go, Oh, oh, here's, I, here's a, here's a pathway. Here are some, I get it. Okay. Now I can move into uh, a different existence. And as for the, for the uh, already existing 20%, it was designed to help them sharpen their machine to help them constantly uh, review and sharpen what they already do. Maybe get some nuggets, maybe get, you know, some, uh, some steel on steel to sharpen. And so that's the, what, that's what the design was. It wasn't designed for the person, uh, you know, it's, um, 
the mechanical aspects of running a martial arts school. It wasn't designed for, you know, you need to have X amount of square footage. You need to have, you know, it wasn't that way. It right. De decidedly so. So yeah. what I'm curious then, as you were writing it and with the intentions that you had, what was the, or multiple uh, aha moments that you had while you were producing it? That it's that it is hard to live up to what you put on paper. Um, the, you know, most of the stuff there is, is integrated in one way or another in my behavior and the way that I choose to run things. But then there's other places where you look at it and you go, um, you know, I'm standing in, in my dojo and I'd like to do it this way but I publicly said it has to be this way. And so I have to adhere to that. And so, you know, there's gray areas with anything, you know, you could go a little bit this way, you could go a little bit that way, but to be stridently adherent to the principles that you've put out in front of God and country, that's a challenge. That's a challenge. Yeah. I've been called out on a few of my books with just a thought and an opinion um, that, I thought I was clear on saying it's just a thought and an opinion. It's not definitively what I think. Um, yeah. and, and people have called me out on it and, you know, Oh, you're, you're this. And I can't believe you think that way. And I'm like, no, no, I didn't you know, mean it that way. I meant there are options, you know, so it is, you're right. It's very difficult to, to do what you just said. So, well, so we live in a world, we live in a world of, um, of uh, catering to the, ab to the uh, abnormal. And I don't mean that like in a, you know, psychological manner, but, but, you know, we live in a society that caters to the far ends of the bell curve. Right. You know, um, you know, instead of just um, when that person goes, well, you said X, Y, and Z, instead of going, no, that's not what I said. And I'm sorry you misinterpreted it. We stand there and go, well, let me explain what, I, you know, and the next thing you know, you're engaged in this wrestling match with, somebody who's out on the far end of the bell curve. And the real answer is, no, that's not what I said. Right. Right. Done. That's so true. That is so, so true. I love that analogy. That's a great one. That's a, that's a golden nugget right now. Like we always call little tidbits of in information, the golden nuggets of our podcast. So I hope all our listeners uh, make note of that. So real quickly, Dana Abbott said, hello. He texted oh, in on Facebook. Yeah, he said, yeah. hi. Um, good guy, good guy. He had a few comments. I, I just wanted to talk about some of the the chapters in your book. So like number one, self-doubt and teaching. I, th I think that was a great chapter. You started off mm -hmm. with it right away. And um, could you maybe go into a little brief idea of that? Because I thought that that was very relevant to many martial art teachers that are out there nowadays. Well, uh, I'll tell you a story. Um, I was doing a... Um, a DVD on Sanchen Kata for um, YMAA out of Boston. You know, um, you're probably familiar with. Mm -hmm. And um, <clears throat> we'd gotten to the point to where we had storyboarded it. We had prepared it. We had, you know, I mean, multiple revisions on the storyboard, uh, the text, the copy, the, you know, I mean, it, it's serious affair. And so we're standing in the studio and, you know, I'm standing in front of these two cameras that have these $30,000 lenses on. 
And I turned to the uh, director of the shoot and I said, um, his name is David Silver. Heck of a guy. Great guy. And I said, uh, David, I, um, I know that there's people out there that are better than this, like my instructor. Yeah. And he goes, yeah, so what? They're not here. You are. Let's go. Mm. <laughs> it's like, okay. Um, and he wasn't being rude or anything, but it was just like, well, yeah, you're the guy who's doing it. Right. You're the guy who's doing it. So when you're out there teaching in martial arts, um, you're the you're the person who's doing it. You're the person who decided to to strap on that mantle of of instructor. You're the person who said this is so valuable to me that I am compelled to share it with others right. because the quality of my life has been just gilded with with gold because of this experience and I want others to share in it too those who are ready willing and able to do so mm. well if you come from it from that perspective that's different than um I'm the turbo frame blaster killer of all things and watch me shatter this makawara. Right. Um, you know, uh, so the self-doubt better be there. It better be there because it's real. And if you do not have any self-doubt, there's some kind of diagnosis in your future and it's not going to be good. Right. Hmm. That's a lot. That's a lot to unpack too, because there's so much involved in what you had just said, that that I can see going, you know, into so many different directions, right? So, um, I, I wish we had 20 hours to dissect this, right? <laughs> but, but we, so, so, um, Dwayne, did you have any questions up until this point, or? No, I'm just, I'm just, uh, I really enjoy how deep you think. And oh. you're very calculated with your responses. They're not, they're straight and to the point, but there's not fluff in it, which is kind of nice. I'm sure the, uh, your reading material is the same way. So when you're writing something, it's, yeah, you may have an analogy, but that analogy serves a purpose and it's, you're, it's not full of analogies and then I hope you find what the purpose is. I mean, it sounds to me like everything is pretty direct and uh, I don't want to say brevity, but brought to a point where there is brevity in, in what you're saying. And, and I, some of the, some of the stuff you're saying, it kind of reminds me of Zig Ziglar with some of the Senate sermons that he would kind of say, you know, like he, one of the things he would repeat about his mom is, she would always say, you know, when a task is once begun, you leave it not until it's done and be a matter great or small, you do it well or not at all. There's so much inside of that little Senate sermon, if you will, the th some of the things that you have said reminds me of that, if, if that makes sense. Well, um, no secret here. I love Zig Ziglar. I do. Um, you know, um, just, just got into him probably about 81, 82, and just fantastic. Love Zig Ziglar. Anybody that's not aware of him, go check him out. You will love the straightforward, um, dare I say, homespun, but deep thought, you know? Yeah, very simplistic, but not simplistic in a way 
that he's simple. Yeah. yeah, yeah, no. So we, we've got ourselves a Zig Ziglar fan club. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dwayne <laughs> talks about him all the time on our podcast, so that's great. Yeah. Dwayne and I chat quite often about, uh, and, and we've had some guests on here as well, and I've even debated some people about this, but we, one of your chapter four I, I thought was amazing with the integrity of teaching. Um, and I think in the book you talked about, and please correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you had said sometimes people abuse their power. Sometimes they manipulate their students. And while other times, you know, uh, uh, you know, they're not following any kind of integrity. So can you kind of just dabble into that a little bit with that, what your chapter was about or a little bit about that concept of integrity of teaching? Well, um, let's think of it this way. Um, kind of come in on the back end of this a little bit. Um, we would agree that, um, and it doesn't make any difference what side you're on, but in the political arena, there is a level of brainwashing that goes on. I'm right. They're wrong. They don't understand the problem. We do, you know, and, and there's those, um, you know, um, calls to action within a group right and i would go so far as to say that you know if you had um if you had cnn on your tv just in the background all the time or you had fox doing the same thing in the background of your home all the time you're getting brainwashed right okay and, and we as um, sentient human beings are like, that's eh, not such a good thing. Mm. However, we do brainwash ourselves all the time. You go to any sporting event in America, what's the first thing that happens before the puck is dropped, the ball is bounced, or the, or the football's kicked off, what happens? It's the Pledge of Allegiance. Right. Right. National that's anthem. A form, yes. Yeah, National Anthem, Pledge of Allegiance, either one. Those are forms of brainwashing, but we've decided that they're good forms of brainwashing. So when we talk about that uh, integrity of teaching, you got to be careful about what you're putting out there. You got to be careful about what you're putting out there. Um, so um, let me, uh, you know, somebody, if somebody came to me and said, Hey, um, I'm having a problem with my spouse and I want to talk to you about it. No, I'm not, I'm the wrong guy. I'm not, I'm, I, I'm a karate guy. Uh, my recommendation is uh, if you haven't seen a counselor, go see a professional counselor. If you, if you, if there's somebody at your church that does that, go do that. Um, find other resources. And I, I'm flattered that you think that I have something to say about it, but I don't. You know, you want to talk about the mechanics of a front kick. I'm your guy. You know, um, so there's a um, there's a position of power that people get into because of the the brainwashing, the very subtle brainwashing of of standing in front of a class with the black belt on, and in my case, the white robes of the martial arts priesthood, the gi. You know, I'm standing in front. You're listening to me. You know, um, you got to be careful with that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you got to know your role. And so 
when, um, you know, you have a teacher in high school uh, that's supposed to be teaching math, teach math. I go to a dentist for dental care. I don't go for, to a dentist for a sprained ankle. Right. So, you know, there's there are places where the edges get a little bit soft and those aren't a wholly bad thing, but you really need to be aware of what you're looking at. So as an example, we're, we're involved in uh, watching this war between Russia and Ukraine. Well, we know that everything that's coming out of there is some form of propaganda, whatever side, some form of propaganda. But then you listen to, you know, they'll go like, well, you know, this, this, uh, this, uh, we've got, uh, you know, former fighter pilot, da 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 da, da who's going to give his, his expert opinion. Well, he's a fighter pilot. The way things get solved is with a jet. That's what he knows. And he's really good at it. So he wants to be, he wants to use a jet. You know, there's a little bit of brainwashing there. Have you ever met, um, have you ever met a fighter pilot? Yeah. Well, let me tell you something. They believe that they are absolutely the best. Right. Yeah. And, and I, um, a few years ago, there was a, a surgery that was going on in the family and somebody goes, God, that doctor is an arrogant ass. And I went, yeah, I know. That's the guy we want. <laughs> right. That's the guy we want. Because yeah. he believes so much in himself and his skills and abilities. That's the guy we want. I don't want the guy standing there going, well, we're going to give this a try and sort of see, you know, no. Uh -uh. So um, that's a long circuitous picture to demonstrate that there are multiple aspects of the um, responsibility of being a teacher and what we choose to ingest into our minds because we think that they're good and the things that we choose to ingest passively. And as a teacher, you got to be real careful about what you're putting out there passively and what you're putting out there uh, deliberately and, you know, know your role and your place. Sometimes the areas get a little gray. Those are the dangerous places. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, I would agree with that. I, I mean, I can remember when I first started and I, most of my, my schools are, are, are kids schools. So 97% kids. And yeah. I thought I could solve everybody's problem. I mean, I just did, you know, uh, Mr. Brummett can, you know, and that's why everybody's bringing their kid to me because Mr. Brummett can, you know, change their kid around. And uh, I, it took me a while to really understand that, that uh, I, I, I just am a karate guy. <laughs> you know, I, I, like you said, I can talk to you about the dynamics of a kick or a punch um, or how you should break X board and maybe defend against, you know, uh, A, B or C. Uh, but, uh, you know, how to uh, fix your relation problem with your brother or sister or your spouse like you have brought up. I'm not qualified to do that. And I quickly found I shouldn't say quickly over the time I found that there are actual um there, there's actual students that I am not equipped to help at all. And I had to let them go. Absolutely. You're 100% on that. Um, um, and there was a my, phrase that I learned from Melody Schumann, who she yeah. said, you know, she said uh, when people don't meet the standards that, you know, she expects to have in the classroom she just said you know look i'm sorry to you know but i'm just not equipped to be able to teach your child 
And she put the onus on herself rather than saying, hey, parents, your kid didn't know how to act or whatever it was. You know, she just said, I'm just not equipped. And I thought, what a great phrase. Yeah, no, agreed. 100 percent. That's a that's a great way to put it, because, you know, um, you might not be. Last night I was having a conversation with uh, this kid in the dojo. He's very, very quiet, diligent um, and won't won't say really anything. And so I said to him, um, do you do you understand what I've, I've showed you? And um, he just kind of looked at me and he, and he kind of shook his head. And he went, yeah. And I, I said, you know, you, d- you don't seem confident in that. And he didn't know how to respond to that. And I said, look, this is the way this works. If you don't understand what I've presented, that's not your fault. Mm. It's my fault as the teacher because I failed to meet you where you are and explain it in terms that work for you. So if you don't understand it, there's no embarrassment on your end. It's me. I didn't meet your needs. So I'm going to ask you again, did, did you, did you get what I was showing you? And he went, yeah, yeah, I did. I'm like, okay. And we move on. But I come back to that theme uh, frequently. Um, I really believe that, um, I mean, I, I truly believe this, that uh, if I haven't reached you, it's because it's my fault. But there is that small percentage that you just talked about where you do have to go, yeah, I'm not equipped. And, and that is, that is, that's integrous with what I'm talking about in regard yes. to meeting the student's needs. It, but it, it's kind of a tough pill to swallow because to a certain degree, it, it it admits failure and um, because don't, don't we all think that if we could just get everybody in the world onto the dojo floor, it would solve 90% of the problems in the world. Right. Well, yeah, we even had a podcast. I think it was called the the martial arts, the last line of uh, defense. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, that's what we were talking about is really uh, martial arts studios are the last, like really good martial arts studios are the last line of defense for our society. Like we're the ones that are teaching the integrity. We're the one that's, you know, not just self-defense, but we're the ones that are teaching the communication skills, uh, 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 you know, self-defense, but self-discipline honor, honor, and responsibility and honor. And yeah, I mean, we're the last line of defense. Of course we believe that. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let me unpack that question because I I started writing stuff down as you were going. So this is a few legs to this question. So do you think that students and parents put too much responsibility on the teacher? Like, you know, you you say they come into your school first time out. They're like, oh, I'd like to have you with me in a dark alley or or I'll just have you teach my kid how to be a better person. I I could I can't do it myself. Do you feel like a lot of them are doing that? And then here's the second part of the question. Um, Do you feel that they also respect what we can do, but ignore it and don't really help themselves or have us help their kids because they're just there for an activity? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a deep one. And I'm going to try to avoid ramble. Um, The answer is, um, there is a projection and there has to be because there's an assumption of what martial arts is. And it's the same thing as, um, 
scrimshaw, which is the taking of a, um, a, a an aquatic mammal bone and etching a ship into it with a needle and then blacking it with soot, you know. I don't know good scrimshaw when I see it. Right, you know? right. Um, and, and so, you know, what happens is, is the human mind is a um, sorting and compartmentalizing structure. So what I want to do is I want to see something, acknowledge it for what it is, put it in a compartment, and then be able to uh, match that compartment shape up to another experience and go, oh, that's what this is. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, that that's what you do. Uh, you know, you, you, you touch a burner on a stove and it's like, yikes, that's bad. And yet you're now able to look at a square box in a kitchen that has a glass top and not a coil burner and go, I suspect that's going to burn me because it matches the shape. Right. Right. That's the way that, that people move through the world. So when somebody brings in their uh, child into, and we'll just talk about children, um, child into the karate class, they're looking for these classic attributes that they have seen in uh, Yip Man, the movie, or whatever, you know, whatever it is. Right, Karate Kid, and, Mr. Miyagi. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you know, the thing of it is, is that if parents watched, like, every Steven Seagal movie, which I would not wish that upon them, but uh, every Steven Seagal movie or Jean-Claude Van Damme movie or whatever, what you're seeing is violence retribution and violence and and more retribution mm. all low resonating behaviors of the human experience but yet they still bring their kid in and it isn't that they sat down and watched the movie kuro obi which is right. phenomenal love yeah, that loved, movie loved it too um, yeah it isn't that they watched that you know, they watch the Karate Kid. They watch, and and what they're looking for is they're looking for that deeper connection. So they bring that kid in, and so there's this this box of assumptions. And as the instructor, uh, you got to stand there and sort of take the fire hose of it. And then once you're covered, you have to kind of shake it off and go, okay, now this is what we're going to do, right. and they begin to see with the structure and the positive attributes and the way that things change. Uh, I had an instructor one time that jokingly said the dojo is the furnace in which we um, forge the iron of our bodies hmm. and minds. And it's like, that's kind of joking the way that he said it, but it's true. Right. So, so it's going to be, it's going to be time. It's going to be time where people are going to go, Oh my, you know, this is really something different than I thought it was. And you can't just say it to them because right. they're not going to believe it. You have to show it. Yeah. And, and they might not even understand it, not even believe yeah. it. They might not just, it's too much to understand conceptually at that moment in time. Yeah. And then there's, then there's people that, um, you know, see it as um, soccer. Um and, uh, you know, I always tell the kids that soccer is a communist plot, you know, uh, that uh, that it's not actually a sport and it's designed to weaken our will so the Red Scare can come in and seize our country. 
<laughs> but but um that's not projecting you know, the, the thing that um that happens is that um on late night television the host comes out and does a monologue and they have to talk about things that are common enough that it can be made joke of for a couple million people to laugh at. If you go back almost 30 years, there was an episode of Seinfeld where Kramer joined a karate class. Oh, I love the it. Only adult. Great episode. Yeah. Yeah. He was the only adult. So that tells you right there how martial arts are seen by the majority of the, of the people in the world, or at least in the United States. Uh, I've, I've had different experiences in different countries and how it's, a, how it's approached, but um, they see it as an activity like soccer. Can right. I sign up for us? When does the session begin? Yeah. It begins the day you step onto the floor. When's the session end? When they put the lid on your coffin. Right, right. You know? Right. Yeah. Do you find, and, and this is kind of like a little bit of a controversial question, but do you find that over the years you found, and not even just in the martial arts, but just um, a decline in common sense or processing with children and students? Like, for example, I, I had a class the other day where it took me like maybe a good 10 minutes just to get people to realize which hand was left and which was right. And I would show it to them in the same mirror image. And, uh, and then I'd say, touch your left leg, pop your left hand up. Okay, we got it. And then they do it. And then I say, okay, now how about your right hand? And half the kids were right and half the kids were wrong. And I say Mm -hmm. to myself, like, what is, I think I've been doing this for 30, this is going my 32nd year running my school. So um, it was different. 25 years ago, I think at least with the oh, week. No. Yeah. hundred percent. You have any 100%. input on that? Like why you think this is happening and why, you know, what we could do to overcome it. I mean, I know we're better teachers. We have much more um, mm-hmm. tools at our, you know, at our beck and call, but you know, we're, we're trained with psychologists and behavioral therapists and, you know, so what, what are you, what are your thoughts on that? Um, a lack of um, a lack of tactile involvement as a a young child. And I'm sure you can see this too, but um, I can tell when, you know, my tiny tigers, which are five years old, when they come into the class, I can tell which kids played in a yard, climbed on logs, swung on a swing, threw a ball, jumped up and down. And the other ones that were in a bouncy chair with, an eye tablet in front of them. Yeah. I, I can tell that within seconds and I'm sure you can too. Oh yeah. The, um, um, we don't have the same level of um, physical experience anymore. Um, what happens is, is that um, people leave the farms and they move to the city and the city does not have the uh, immediate experience that er, that an urban lifestyle has uh, that is uh, that a suburban or rural lifestyle has just doesn't exist mm-hmm. um, um, you know y- you hear stories of um, um, you know like like Audie Murphy um, who 
if you know Audie Murphy, you know, the most decorated soldier uh, in American history, World War II. Um, he showed up and they're like, wow, you're a marksman, you know, just off the top. Well, yeah, because he was shooting squirrels in East Texas as a kid. Right. You know? So um, an extreme example, but yet it, it's still there. And, and boy, I'll tell you what. And how many times have you seen some kid, usually a little girl, you know, pop off a cartwheel or something in class and you go, oh, we know who's been in gymnastics. Right, right, You can right. see it. Yeah. You, you, you don't have to ask. It's there. So there's, there's that. And then the other thing is, is that um, we don't require people to um, think as much mm. anymore. Oh, yeah. um, it's like, oh, I just have to do this. I just have to do that. And I could go on, you know, we could, we could go on with numerous examples of that. Um, but there's also a third thing. And that is, is that um, we celebrate stupidity, uh, whether it's um, fail army on TV or punked or jackass or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Uh, you know, it's like, hey, look at this guy try to do this on Instagram, boom, and he messes up and breaks his arm or whatever. Well, um, we just now have the ability to see a lot of stupidity that we didn't, right? We weren't able to see 25 years ago. Yeah. So yeah, they're they're they are a different they are a different animal than they are 20 than they were 25 years ago, and neither you nor I can change it. It yeah. is what it is. And it's our job to meet those people, like I said, to meet them where they are, to teach them, to give them a path, to help them grow into a way that is superior. I love it. Be the best version of themselves that they could possibly be. 100%. 100%. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I start, I'm one of the daring ones, probably one of the few. I start kids in my school at two years old. Awesome. And yeah, it's an, I have a kid that just joined. It's been there about two weeks that he knows left and right. And if I say to him, alternate legs, he jumps and alternates. Like he's two, just maybe two and a half. And I'll say, you know, do a one, two, left, right. Boom, boom, he'll hit it. Like this kid is so smart. Yet I have 14-year-olds that can't tie a bow or tie their shoe or can't tie their belt. And it's scary to me. Um, so I don't know. It's like, it's almost like that movie idiocracy coming to life. I don't know if you've ever seen that movie. Ooh, yeah. yeah. It's like literally right in front of my eyes at times. And, uh, it does add a lot of humor into my life because my daughter and I joke about it when we come home that the person couldn't figure out their left from their right, or they tried to use their left 15 times. I keep saying no, the other left and they keep making the same mistake. So it's scary, but I do blame it. Like you said, on technology, I think the kids, these days and, and adults don't have to retain material. They it's at the tip of their fingers. So why bother studying it and, and getting it into memory? If you don't have to, you could just ask Siri, you know, and, and ask the question and boom, there's the answer for you. So I think that they're purging so much that they should be memorizing. I, you're not wrong. You're yeah. not wrong. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, you know, with regards to, you know, this book specifically, um, I know that you said that you had some integrity things that once you wrote them down, you know, has now made you have to stick 
with, you know, what you have written down. So did that mean that you changed what you were currently doing in your studio? And then if that's so, uh, you know, how, what, what type of negative or positive effect has that had, you know, in implementing what you wrote down? Well, one would, one would be to um, be unreasonably helpful. Um, I had a student who I, I believe one day is going to wind up in, in prison and have no idea how it occurred. He just doesn't, um, um, you know, and I had multiple parents complaining about him. Um, I would watch him specifically. And when I would look in the mirror to look at him, he was looking at me and he was just a coyote. And that, you know, whenever I wasn't on guard, he was going to be nipping at somebody. And I talked to his father. He said, oh yeah, yeah. Talked to his mother. She's like, oh yeah, yeah. Hear you, hear you. Uh, more complaints from parents. Uh, his sister's in the class. So one day I meet them at the door and uh, I say, okay, um, we've, this is where we are now. We've done, we've done X, Y, and Z. I go through the whole list. I said, you know, this is not the place for your son. I said, so here's a check for the entirety of this month's dues. It was halfway through the month. I said, I want to refund the entire month for you. And I said, and I think it's unreasonable that you would bring your daughter now to the dojo as well. And so here is her entire month refunded as well. So, yeah, it cost me, but it was the right thing to do. And if they want to complain about how I run the dojo, they have no, there's no purchase there. There's nothing. Um, so that, that's an example of, of, of being unreasonably helpful, unreasonably assisting. And that is a thing that in the world of phone trees and your business is important to us, please hold our menu has changed. Engaging in that kind of behavior stands out like Mount Everest. And, you know, sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it costs you money. But what did it save? Yeah. Sure, certainly. Now, I'm curious why I get rid of the, the daughter as well. Well, there was, it, it, there was there's no way that the, that the parents are going to uh, bring their daughter to the dojo where their son has been asked to leave. Okay. Yeah. That was I, I knew the psychology of the mother, and so that's the way that was. So yeah, you know, that's that's great. Well, we are literally three minutes from closing. This has been an hour <laughs> talking. We if I don't know if you'd be interested, but maybe come back and be a guest in the future. Uh, we'd love to have you back because I was only able to ask you and pick your brain and Dwayne and I for a few of your chapters, but. Um, 
I thoroughly enjoyed having you on and we'd love to have you back if you're interested. Um, we could talk about that off camera and, and decide. Um, but it, what an enlightening interview. So thank you so much for it. It really was. And I, you know, I'm writing notes myself and taking notes on what things you had to say. And uh, I'm very appreciative of your book. So I highly recommend it to everybody. Make sure. In fact, I'll pop in a link in our uh, in our chat right here of your book so that people could go right to Amazon and pick it up and, and check it out. And uh, hopefully uh, you'll have the same opinion about what I and what I learned out of it myself because it was outstanding. Any Anything else, Dwayne, you have? Well, I just want to remind everybody it's called Winning in the Dojo and uh, Your Life. And uh, yeah, you can the, get the audio, get the, get the physical version or get them both. You know, that's what I yeah. usually do. I get the audio first, and if I like it, then I get the actual book so I can go back and, and highlight and do stuff on it. I do the yeah. same thing. I do the same thing. Yeah. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So, and um, anything you'd like to close, the closing statements? It, it, well, you guys have been gracious, and thank you so much for having me. Um, just really appreciate it that anytime anybody thinks that I have anything to say that's worth it. <laughs> that, that's, that's really kind of you. Um, I would say that if anybody wanted to find out more, uh, see the other books or, um, you know, whatever, uh, could be the Karate Dojo or my Patreon site or whatever. You can just go to chriswilder.com. That's where okay. it came, chriswilder.com. And that kind of gets you into the universe. And, um, you can rifle around in there and take a look and see if there's something of value or, or of, of interest to you. Um, and one of the things too is, is that um, on the dojo website, I actually post all of the requirements from white belt to black belt, every requirement sheets there. And some people find that kind of interesting to um, match up what their requirements are to, to what mine are hmm. and uh, how that looks. So, if you want to go rummage around and, and you know, you got a cup of coffee in a few minutes, go to chriswilder.com. Yeah, I just posted it again. I posted that and and the link to your book on Amazon. But uh, definitely, uh, I checked that out before uh, before we had done the interview. It was outstanding. Uh, your website, the pages, the books. I, I'm, I'm going to – do you have others on audio? Oh gosh. Um, yeah. Uh, in fact, we're just, we're just doing, in fact, I just sent it off to the audio and just approved the cover this morning at about seven o'clock my time. Uh, Legends um, of the Masters. Uh, mm. What we did, you, you know how there's all these stories. It's like, oh yeah, you know, Soke so-and-so did this and you know, you, you know, you hear the stories and stuff. Yeah. Um, but they kind of, I mean, really, haven't we all heard every Bruce Lee story that's out there? Right, right. And, and I'm not not knocking Bruce Lee. I'm just saying, you know. Uh, so what we did is we took all of Aesop's fables, removed all of the animals, and changed them into monks, senseis, and disciples, and then re-edited and reimagined all of those stories. So now when you read those, they read as legends of the masters hmm. and we just, we just sent the audio book off to, to get done. And like I said, just approve the cover. Um, it, it's a tickle. It's a tickle. Yeah. It's a blast because you, you know, you, you, you read the, you listen to the story and it's like, yeah, that's right. I, 
oh, I should remember that, you know. Oh, that's great. I can't wait. That's when is that to be released, you think? Well, we're looking at the end of March. Uh, that's oh, our uh, that's our timeline there. And then we just just released um, uh, Hey Sensei, uh, which is just a combination or, or an, an amalgamation of years of things that people have said on the dojo floor that were either enlightening or were um, funny and illustrations of people. Like there's one in there. I, I had a kid break his arm, showed up on a sling. I said, when'd you break your arm? And he goes, yesterday, you know, but he's in the dojo. It's like, okay, well, just punch with your good arm. Well, no kidding. Yeah, all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, lots of those kind of fun illustrations and, oh, that's and great. just funny statements. And uh, so far, everybody that's got a copy of it has has laughed. And oh. that's what we were aiming for is, is the sometimes the humor. Outstanding. So, you asked, so now you got an answer. Yeah, thank you, Sensei. Awesome. I appreciate I appreciate your time. I appreciate you coming on and sharing with us. Thank you very much. Um, you know, we uh, it'll be up on our it goes right up in our Facebook archive. So if you know other school, if this is a school owner group that we released the podcast on, but it's also available on iTunes and Spotify, so that anyone can download and listen to the podcast. And um, we are very, I am very honored. And Dwayne, I think that you maybe want to close it up for us and we'll set set the tone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, we, we uh, Chris, we thank you for being here. And uh, everybody check out chriswilder.com. That's with a K. So K-R-I-S, wilder.com. But Chris, thanks a lot. We appreciate it, sir. Thank you, Sensei. Oh, thanks so much. And Have a good have day. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Martial Arts School Owner Talk Podcast. This would not be possible if it weren't for the support of our amazing sponsors. Please check out Elite Insights for all your website needs. They can be reached at EliteInsights.com. Add Health Coaching, helping school owners create a new and easy to implement revenue stream for your school. Visit AdHealthCoaching.com. Lead Hunter Media, your online digital marketer and content provider. Visit leadhuntermedia.com. Academy Kings Growth Consulting and Management Group. They can be reached at academykings.com. And Spark Membership. Hands down the best martial arts software for school owner management on the planet. They can be reached at sparkmembership.com. We will see you next time.